Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Every man, every man has to listen to a podcast to reach paradise. Hello and welcome to Little Marty, the only podcast on the internet dedicated to covering the works of Martin Scorsese and Adam Sandler. My name is Eric Ho 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 Halloween. And my name is Jeremy uh, Bingle Bells, Bingle Bells the Butcher. Love it. Off yeah. the cuff. Off the dome. You know Straight that wasn't planned. Straight off the dome. You know it wasn't planned. You know, I had this idea, Jeremy, and I haven't uh I haven't watched the uh you know, the nine hour Beatles documentary yet. Oh, you haven't? I do, I do plan on doing that. Um but That's great. you know, the Beatles are in the uh, in the in the in the in the conversation these days and I had this idea and I think this would be funny and I almost don't want to say it. Because I actually do think this is a really funny bit, and someone will for steal a it. Podcast to do. <laughs> um, I I think it'd be funny if we did like a rooftop concert where we just re- right. we just record a movie. <laughs> we record an episode on like licorice pizza on mm-hmm. top of a a, a building in downtown <laughs> L.A. <laughs> through just like massive speakers, and we maybe yeah. we have like a documentary crew sort of like documenting it. That is so awesome. <laughs> that is, yeah, you shouldn't have said that on this show. Yeah. You should have kept that off mic because that is, that's good. It is a good idea. You know, maybe we'll do that someday. <laughs> yeah, <days>. delete this. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. Uh, delete shit. this. You sound like one of my Twitter followers. <laughs> oh, delete this. Delete this. <laughs> You know, Jeremy, uh, as we're recording this, it is December 15th, 1986. Uh, so Christmas is almost upon us. How are you feeling? I'm feeling jolly, and I'm feeling um, thankful, grateful. I'm feeling cold, but I'm feeling like I've got warmth in my heart for all fellow man. That's good. So you're cold, but you're warm. Yeah, I'm kind saying. of cold on the outside, but warm on the inside because the spirit of Santa Claus lives within me as he does uh, you are and everyone else. Yes. And uh, Santa Claus lives inside of me <laughs> as well. Yes. Uh, it's very painful on, on midnight at 12.01 on December yes. 25th. I'm woken from my slumber... And a just large 600-pound man <laughs> crawls out of my mouth. It's very hard to sleep through. Right. Um, yeah. I try to get as drunk as I can on New Year's Eve, so I don't have to. So the pain is a little bit more bearable, and maybe mm. I can sleep through it. It never gets easier, Jeremy. This this large no. man with a white beard is crawling out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we're five <laughs> minutes into this podcast. So what's going on right now? Oh, uh, Patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy is where we have... The Christmas spirit is in full swing, my friend. Uh, tell the people what we're doing over there on our wacky Patreon podcast. Well, we are covering, of course, Christmas films, um, as we do every year, every holiday season. You know, we did, of course, uh, cover our spooky witch month or witchtober mm. uh just a october full of witch related content we then moved into monkey bone vember where we covered the great monkey bone classic film monkey bone uh four times and uh then of course now we are into our holiday cheer holiday spirit episodes of the show uh we've covered an episode of american dad uh we're covering Smoky Mountain Christmas, the Dolly Parton classic film. Yes, which you could say, which could have been included in Witch Month. It We're totally could have been included in Witch Month. There's a witch in that movie, Eric. Oh, yeah. 
And it's and spoiler alert, it's Dolly Parton. Well, wait, did you watch it? I don't think she's the <laughs> yeah, witch. No, in that that's movie. that's factually <laughs> untrue. Um, no, but uh, I, what I will say about the Patreon is. If you like uh, episodes that feel very stuffy and like there's an agenda and there's really no fun to be had, then keep listening to shows on the main feed. (laughs) But if you like shows where they let their hair down and kind of roll it on a skateboard late, of course, smoking a cigarette and it's kind of a cool time for cool people, I would definitely head on over to patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy to hear all of our bonus content because we let her rip over there on the Patreon. Um, we let her rip oh, yeah. uh, hardcore, and it is uh, it is a good time. The great uh, the great patrons of that uh, of that ecosystem will will tell you uh, will tell you it's nothing short of prolific the amount of content that we've covered on that show. And really, I mean, you get to know us, and that's sort of uh, one of the added uh, benefits. Yes, that is true. Um, think of it as a one-sided date. Think of yeah. every episode as a one-sided date, right? With e- with two, just uh, two two men who with talk two, about movies constantly. Yeah, and don't let you get a word in edgewise. Yeah, imagine it's <laughs> imagine you're on a on a date with two men who are mansplaining movies to you, and yep. but they're but I will say they're total hunks. They're just total yes. eye candy. So, oh yeah, but you can't the see tr- them because it's audio only. Right, right. You have to imagine two uh, people you think are hunks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. So, Jeremy, uh, we are about to get back into Scorsese. About to territory, right? Um, and you know what? About to. Why don't we just do it, my man? Why don't yeah. we just get back into it? I've been missing. What? What was the last Scorsese we covered? Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Yes. You know what? I did feel like uh, like Goodfellas is such a movie. It's such a it's you know it's such a big one. You know it's it's such a significant, uh, not just Scorsese movie, but a movie just in general. Where uh, I don't know why, but I feel like that episode was just like almost, and and that movie is just its own beast. Mm. Whereas now, for some reason, I when we're watching Cape Fear, I'm like, okay, now we're kind of like back to yes, Scorsese in a weird way. Yeah, thank you for saying that. That is exactly how I feel. You couldn't have put it better. Um, this movie is clearly a look, and I'm not disparaging it. I'm not telling you. I'm not saying anything about how I feel about it. But this movie is clearly a studio project. Like this is clearly Scorsese coming in to do a job, and. He's using Robert De Niro and all these great Nick Nolte, people he's worked with before, great actors. Um, but it's definitely doesn't have that. Um, I, I feel like there's, I, I'm learning as we go, at least through the 70s and 80s and now 90s, Scorsese has two modes. His like absolute passion projects that feel a lot different than I think his like studio work. Like this feels like way more in line with something like After Hours or... Um, or uh, the color of money, then like Goodfellas, Raging Bull, those are like their own. Where kind would of you class thing. what what what? Where would you classify the king of comedy in that? Is that more of a studio? No, that's a passion. A, I think that's a passion project. Um, even though, even though it does, even though that movie though does kind of feel a little bit like this too. But I don't know. There's just something about like I agree. Like this is a step. This is definitely a step in a different direction from Goodfellas, where Goodfellas felt like this masterpiece or something. And Cape Fear feels like a movie, <laughs> you know, like a movie you'd go see at the cinema in 1991. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know exactly how to how to quantify it perfectly because it is the same director essentially making the same his, you know, the movies the way he would want to do it. So it's not like his studio projects lack some sort of Scorsese element. Like After Hours, I think, is a masterpiece. But it, it's definitely like there's a, I don't know, I don't even know. Like there, there's a there's a rhythm to these other films that I feel like are maybe just a little bit more palatable, maybe? I, I don't know what it is. But it's like this movie is uh, 128 minutes, which it's like a tight hour and a half hour 40 whereas uh 
uh, Goodfellas is like six and a half hours long. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like the longest movie ever. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. What? Let me ask you though, Eric. Do you feel like there's a difference between? I mean, you kind of said it, right? So what? What do you think? Yeah, I think so structurally too. I mean, Cape Fear to me is. You know, structurally, it just feel it feels like a horror movie to me, right. like a classic, like kind of horror movie. Um, you know, this villain is introduced, and then all the way up until the end of you know De Niro, De Niro's little head popping out of the water. It's uh, just kind of like a classic uh, three act thriller kind of a thing. Whereas, yeah, Goodfellas or you know when we get to Casino, like those movies are a little bit. Um, a little bit more biopic mm-hmm. uh, in nature, maybe, and uh, yeah, just a different vibe, just a different, uh, a different feel. Yeah, for sure. Um, it it definitely does. Uh, I I think that again, though, this movie is famous as hell, and like was referenced on The oh, Simpsons yeah. very famously, and like it's 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 kind of like one of those things that's to taste, right? And like you can barely kind of tell the difference, but once you're kind of putting a a magnifying glass under this director's body of work, kind of like we are, you kind of start, you can feel it in the energy of the film that like it's cut in a way that I feel like is very traditional or something compared to like a Goodfellas where it's like all over the place and, and, um, again it's unmistakably a scorsese film but it does have this like kind of other quality to it so it's it's interesting you know i'm excited to see more and more this sort of trend right like in his work Mm. like like you know i wonder about films like um you know the gangs of new york versus a film like um maybe what's that film um uh that's the 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 kids movie he made with uh, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen Hugo Hugo yeah um like I want I just wonder like are those films going to also as we go through you know the 90s and the 2000s will they also feel different in that way of like oh this one was for him this one was for them this is for him this is for them kind of a thing you know what I'm looking forward to, and I think this is uh, more of a for them movie. But for some reason, well, I guess the reason being that I I read the book not too long ago. Mm. But I'm kind of interested in Shutter Island. I have not seen yeah. that one yet. The movie rocks. I Was love it? that movie. Yeah, That's I love it. Be. Yeah, I'm actually excited about revisiting The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh um, yeah, and you know I, what? We got a great guest coming up for that one. But oh, way. we do. That's tight. Yeah. I'm excited, yeah, because it's it's one that I like watched in theaters, and I was just so appalled <laughs> by like, uh, you know, what was happening on screen, and I feel like I missed a lot of the humor that was built into it, like a lot of the sort of farce of it. So I'm excited yes. to revisit it. You know, well, you you t- you took too many quaaludes before you saw. I it. was looted out when I watched <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, looted and tooted. Uh, so anyway, uh, Cape Fear was adapted by Wesley Strick from the an original screenplay by James R. Webb. An adaption from the novel uh, The Executioners, it was originally developed by Spielberg, of all people, who eventually decided it was too violent and traded it to Scorsese to get back Schindler's, get back Schindler's List, which Scorsese had decided not to make. Isn't that interesting? A little yeah. script swap. Yeah, that is interesting. So wait, Scorsese was going to do Schindler's List? I, I guess. Yeah, I that's, don't know. That's pretty wild. I, uh, yeah, I don't. I oh man, I do want to see each of their versions <laughs> of the other one's script. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean that's cool. Like, um, that's cool. And you know what? I think uh, this is like a. Uh, this is probably though the way it should have been. Like this seems like more of a Scorsese kind of subject yeah. matter. Like I can't really picture Spielberg doing a film no. really even this small in scope. You know, it's kind of like a littler story if you think about it. Even though there's some big set pieces, don't do you kind of feel like this is like like a little story it takes place in a town? 
but it's just between a couple of people, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Simple. Simple. Um so Scorsese originally wanted uh Harrison Ford to play Sam Bowden. Uh but Ford agree agreed to do the film only if he got to play Max Cady. Mm. So uh Nick Nolte uh, who was interested in playing Bowden, uh, convinced Scorsese to cast him for the part. Additionally, Drew Barrymore and Reese Witherspoon both auditioned for the part of Danielle Bowden. And Sp- mm. Spielberg, Spielberg reportedly wanted Bill Murray to portray Katie. You know, that's so interesting because it makes me, it just is a f- constant reminder that Spielberg is an artistic freak. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like that is such a that is such like an obviously against type <laughs> casting choice, and it just reminds me that yeah, Spielberg Spielberg's a total artist, man. He wants to watch the comedic, the comedy guy, the funny guy play a total <laughs> villain. He wants to he wants to make America t- turn against Bill Murray. That's like a cool, right? It's a cool artist vibe, you know. Yeah, I um. I would love to see uh, Ghostbusters two era Bill Murray in this <laughs> yeah. in this movie. Um, yeah. I do think it would just be a completely different movie. Complete. I mean, it it just would be. I like. I don't see. I mean, has Bill Murray ever played like a a villain straight before? Or like, can he even do that? You know well, what I mean? Like, I guess, even I mean, if he, he was, just, yeah, kind of in Scrooged. I feel like he's yeah. like a bad dude. Right. Um, kind of in Groundhog Day as well, a little bit. <laughs> but never, no, I don't think he's ever played a villain, like a bad guy. And even when he's playing it straight, you're like, you just can't like any move, any, almost any movie watcher is going to remember him from anything else and, and is just going to crack up at his mannerisms and et cetera. Mm-hmm. It just seems... I don't know, but I do see like a version of this movie as just like a comedy working uh, yeah. well, right? Yeah. Uh, Hitchcock was influential on the style of Cape Fear. Uh, you're kind of a hit. You're a Hitchcock fan, right? Do you see any not, Hitchcock? No, uh, no, not as much as other people. I definitely like me some Hitchcock sometimes. But not a, I'm not a big like I don't know a lot about his movies or him. I know like Psycho and the big ones, North by Northwest. But what about are you a Hitchcock guy? No, and I would like to propose that maybe um, I don't know about doing like a whole podcast, like a whole like going through all the Hitchcocks. Right. Maybe that could be fun. We talk about Hitchcock enough, and it's such a blind spot to me for mm. me. We talk yeah. about Hitchcock enough where I think maybe we should do like a month on the Patreon or something where we just cover like a couple of the highlights. You know what I that, mean? Like I some of the big Hitchcocks. Idea. I think that yeah. would be good for, for both of us. Cause I, yeah, I mean, I just like, it seems like Hitchcock comes up like every three or four episodes and somewhere or yeah. another. And, uh, you know, it's just yeah. one of those things where I, uh, you just have these blind spots. You know what I mean? There's just so much good stuff out there. I agree. Yeah, I think um, like I would definitely be way more interested in uh, covering like if somebody wanted to go through and give us the highlights yeah. throughout his career because he's got like sixty nine films, and I know that right. like a, some like as and they date back as early as the twenties. <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of like uh, I don't I I kind of want to get into the the good stuff fast. I know he did a bunch of movies in England before he just started doing sort of more Western stateside stuff. And I'm trying to like, I'm trying to get a good education here, but not like, I'm not trying to watch Easy Virtue from 1927, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, hey, speak for yourself. I mean, it's probably great. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Am I, hold on a second. Am I reading this correctly that, uh, Bernard Herman did the score for this. I mean, he did the score for a ton of. Uh, I mean, he's the Hitchcock guy, right? But he also did Taxi Driver. Oh, he did. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's great. to use Hitchcock style and had Bernard Herman write the score. 
So Bernard Herrmann did write the score for this movie. Yes. Interesting. Uh, let's get into some of the just absolutely wacky. Uh, Dude, there's some whack ass trivia in this. <laughs> yeah. Let, I mean, what? Let me know if there's anything you uh, you noticed in here that uh, that is uh, particularly wacky. I got. I mean, one. I I love the I love the um, the 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 piece of trivia about how De Niro, you know, he had all these tattoos and had this mm-hmm. thick accent uh, when he was playing Max Cady. And apparently he used to like freak Scorsese out by <laughs> yeah. like calling his house and leaving him voicemails as Max Cady. Yeah, this is, that's great. Um, he also like, this is the shit I, about actors I hate. With Anytime they do anything to their teeth, uh, De Niro paid a dentist $5,000 to make his teeth look suitably bad for the role. And then after <laughs> filming, he paid the dentist $20,000 to have him fixed. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, ugh. Like, I've heard shit like that with, like, Shia LaBeouf, like, going to, a, going to like, a like a dentist, like a not a non-licensed dentist to like have him knock out teeth for fury. And then like, um, what's his name? Nicholas cage did the same thing. Like, it's just like people who get their teeth up for a role makes me yeah. cram. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's so over the top. By the way, ladies, uh, if you're wondering why my teeth look like this, I'm, uh-huh. I'm doing a role. <laughs> I'm before I'm uh, playing a, a role as a Southern, uh, ex-convict <laughs> uh let's see here oh i actually didn't i had no idea that's the scene in the auditorium with de niro and juliette lewis mm. done on the first take yeah and completely ad-libbed what do you think of that because that's like <laughs> yeah. i mean that's like one of the big scenes you know yeah that's cool it's cool juliette lewis is an underrated actor and i feel like I don't know what she's doing these days or how much she cares, but people should be like giving her roles, man, like good roles and stuff. Like she's she's a monster. I feel the same way about Parker Posey too. Like they just don't like work enough. And right. I'm like, they're so good. Yeah, I feel that way too. At the same time, if I was in like four movies, like if I got to a point where I could be in like a movie as big as Cape Fear, mm-hmm. I would do like three to four movies and work for like, you know, five years or whatever and then just retire and just live like comfortably in like a like a an apartment. You know what I mean? But just like yeah. never have to work again. Huh. Wow. I don't know. Maybe that's that would, that would be Man, great. I mean I assume be... that's what that's what some of these actors do is they're just like, Well, I got a bunch of money. Hell yeah. Yes. That's great. Anyway, this was Gregory Peck's final appearance in a theatrical film released before his death on June 12th, 2003, at the age of 87. So you know the bit with uh, Gregory Peck and Robert Mitchum, right? Like, they were in the original Cape Fear, and Scorsese casts them both as uh, different roles in this. Like, Robert Mitchum was the bad guy. Mm. He was the Max Cady kind of part. And then Gregory Peck was the uh, Sam Bowden character in the 1962 film. Yeah. So it's cool. He, like, brought him back. Not in the same roles, but to play different roles. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Hmm. The climax took four weeks to shoot. It was filmed inside of a 90 foot water tank on a soundstage. I would like to see that. Dude, I bet it was awesome. You know, I'm going to say favorite performance in this movie, my friend, is going to have to be Jessica Lange. I think Jessica Lange is phenomenal in this movie. Really good. Great. Uh, she also suggested in, so in the original script, uh, Lee only met Max Cady at the end. Jessica Lang suggested the f- scene where they talk outside her house be added to the script mm-hmm. because she felt there should be a meeting between the two before Kate, uh, before the climax. I absolutely agree with that. And I also think that's a really good scene. Yeah. No, like for when sure. she's, when she realizes that that's Max Cady, mm-hmm. 
man, it's just like, what a performance. Really good stuff. And then, yeah. you know, uh, the daughter comes out and yeah, right, man, it's, 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 uh, it's good stuff. Hey, had you seen this movie after seeing that Simpsons episode? Yes, for sure. But me that's too. just because we grew up in the 90s. Yeah, me too. And I had seen that Simpsons episode so many times. And it's funny how you can, when you're a kid or not even when you're a kid, but you know, you can see a, an episode of something and think it's funny and not even realize that it's parodying something. I know, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> my, I do remember my first time watching Cape Fear when I was like, I don't know, 16 or something. I was like, uh, all the moments that are referenced in The Simpsons, I was like, man, this really is just, that episode really is like a full-on parody of this movie, huh? Yeah. And it's really funny. <laughs> oh, Sideshow De Niro. So good though. That Simpsons episode is great. Yeah. Do you want to stop recording and go watch that? Yeah, dude. Is that cool? Is that cool with the listener? Let's yeah, write in. Write think? in on Twitter and let us know if it's cool if yeah, we stop. Hold on this a second. Episode. I'm gonna Jeremy, send me your file. I'm gonna sync it up with mine. I'll put the mm-hmm. theme music on it. I'll mm-hmm. upload it to SoundCloud. Yeah. Um and then I'll wait we'll until wait, the listeners <laughs> hear it to respond and we'll just be waiting at our at our microphones. Right, right, right. Yeah, that sounds good. And we're back. Jeremy, uh, people do not want us to watch that <laughs> Simpsons episode right now. Uh, yeah. as I'm glad I didn't turn it on. Interrupt the podcast. So uh, anyway, I have a beard now. You haven't gone to the bathroom in six days. No. Which is normal. Right. Um. <laughs> Let's see here. I uh, am seeing a lot of trivia that's like blank was originally going to be blank, which I feel like there's a lot of that, especially in Scorsese movies for some reason. There's a lot of, I don't know if he has like a crazy like casting process or what, but anyway, uh, like Diane Keaton was going to be involved at one point. Uh, Telly Savalas. Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of lot of people. The script the script also went through like twenty four drafts apparently. Um, yeah. Twenty four drafts that that's uh, that's what I drank at the <laughs> bar last night. Twenty four drafts. Yeah, draft beers. <laughs> um, that's pretty good. Anyway, yeah, hmm. I'm wetting my whistle, Jeremy, because I'm about to read through this uh, Wikipedia plot here. It's a sizable one. Yeah, it ain't bad. Um, Not bad. So we will uh, we will now be discussing the plot to the movie Cape Fear. So hold mm-hmm. on a second. And I'll be discussing the plot to the movie Nixon by <laughs> Oliver Stone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll I'll read one sentence from Cape Fear, and you'll read <laughs> one episode from uh, Nixon. Nixon. Uh, after receiving numerous death threats in the mail, most of which are written in blood, Bart becomes paranoid. <laughs> he soon learns that culprit and arch nemesis Sideshow Bob. Okay, I don't have to do that. Uh, <laughs> Sam Bowden is a lawyer living in North Carolina with his wife, Lee, uh, and teenage daughter, Danielle. Max Katie, a former client of his, is released from prison after 14 years. Katie was tried for statutory rape and battery of a 16-year-old girl and and appalled by the attack, Sam buried evidence of the victim's promiscuity and unawareness of their actual age, which might have lightened Katie's sentence or even secured his acquittal. This is a very delicate premise. Don't you Mm -hmm. agree? Like, it's a very interesting way to start the film that we are to kind of side with our hero who did something wrong, but to do something right, but kind of doesn't, like, you can clearly also see why the antagonist is so angry. Do you, do you know what, do you kind of get what I mean where it's like, it's a yeah. complicated, kind of convoluted, way to start i like it though 
kind of like like everyone did something wrong yeah like like definitely like definitely we like sam Bowden did the right thing but it, it 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 does a good job of setting up that why exactly why robert de niro's or max katie's character is going to be take such retaliation against them you know what right. I mean? It's like it's got a it's got a it's built into the premise as sort of a good motivation for every character to have either done something right or wrong, on de- um, in, in depending on who the viewer, you know. It's like a cool way to start. Anyway, I like Yeah. It. Speaking of cool ways to start, this is not the first shot, it's the second shot. De Niro doing uh you know, exercising with mm-hmm. his back towards the camera, and we yeah. just see his uh, back tattoo with the, of the uh, the cross with the truth and justice mm-hmm. little things on him, yeah, uh, with the Bible, and uh, yeah, man. yeah, he's this guy, man. He gets, movie. he just yeah. gets into it. I like, mm-hmm. I, I am so curious what a Robert De Niro is like, just as a, I don't know. I'm I'm both curious and afraid to know <laughs> yeah. like, what he's like in real I life. I bet he's I bet he's insufferable. Probably. But great actor. We only get to reap the benefits. His kids and 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 romantic partners probably in hell. Um Bowden believes that Katie, who was illiterate at the time of his conviction, remains unaware of his uh purposely botched defense. Uh, unbeknownst to him, however, his former client is a naturally intelligent and single-minded psychopath, uh, much like my co-host. He learned <laughs> he learned how to read and studied law in prison, and even unsuccessfully appealed his own conviction several times. Mm. Uh, he tricks Sam down, tracks Sam down, and begins to terrorize the Bowden family. He lurks near the property. And the family dog is mysteriously killed. So we're jumping ahead a little bit, but uh, yeah, I, right. I mean, I, the first time we see them all together is in that 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 classic scene in the movie theater mm-hmm. where he's making Max a ruckus. Katie, oh yeah, he's making a ruckus. Kind of reminds me of Nicholson at the uh, yep. at the play in uh, Witches of Eastwick. Just oh yeah, really making a show out of how much uh, he's enjoying the. Uh, Mm-hmm. Whatever's going on there, but yeah, um, I feel like we also like this kind. Of, the scene also kind of echoes the Travis Bickle scenes in Taxi Driver a little bit of Scorsese uh, shooting De Niro in a movie theater, watching a movie. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see here. So the dog's we- killed. The dog is killed. We also, I should say, we also get the setup of the. Lady, uh, man, what is the name of that actress who plays uh, sort of the clerk that, um, you know, the main guy is, Nolte is uh, having an affair with? Affair with her? Yeah. Um, what's her name? Ileana Douglas? Is that who? Is that who it is? Isn't that the Broad City girl? <laughs> <laughs> That's Elena something. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> What's the name of the character who he's having an affair with? It's yeah, like, it might be Ileana. The cl- it's the clerk, right? Lori. Yeah. Yeah, Ileana Douglas, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. Um, I feel like I've seen her in another Scorsese movie before this. You you definitely have. She was in um um Let me look. She was in do, 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 do. Last Temptation of Christ. She was in New York okay. Stories. She was in Goodfellas. So. So yeah. you're saying that <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you definitely have. Yeah. Sam attempts to have Katie arrested, but the police have no evidence of a crime. After intentionally crossing paths with her in a bar, Katie rapes and beats uh, county courthouse clerk Lori near to death, uh, who is in love with Sam. Yeah, this is uh, really brutal. Yeah. Bad stuff. Horrible. And continues to, now he's done this, and he's already killed a precious animal. He's like, 
the the mountain of ways you hate this character are stacking up super high like it scorsese's just bringing to your attention a character who is unredeemable in every way you know it's definitely a like uh, malevolent force kind of a if you ever felt even the slightest bit of sympathy for Katie at all, you definitely, it's gone now, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, despite Sam's advice, she refuses to press charges out of fear that their ongoing platonic flirtation became, become public, as well as a, a unwillingness to be cross-examined and humiliated by her own colleagues. Uh, Sam hires a private investigator, Kursek, to follow Katie. Uh, Katie approaches Danielle by impersonating her new drama teacher and feigning an unorthodox interest in her teenage angst. He lures her to the school theater, shares a joint with her, manipulates her libido and uh, attraction to him, and kisses her. Yeah, Ooh, this is uh, this scene is rough. so tense. It's so tense, and you know, again, because you know exactly what he's capable of. This whole thing is just, it is like psychotically, um, uh, I, I've already said it intense. I guess I'll just say it again. Intense. <laughs> Another moment where like, uh, Danielle, like there's a point where she realizes who he is too. And mm-hmm. that's really, that's really great as well. She, man, her performance is really good. Yeah. She was nominated by the way for her performance in this. Oh, Juliette Lewis was. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh man, this like set, this dark forest set that they're in is mm-hmm. it's just a great choice. Uh yeah, man, creepy as hell. Uh her parents find the joint in her school book and Danielle's coyness about the extent of Katie's seduction drives Sam to the point of depression. Uh he then agrees to Kursek's plan, which he had dismissed earlier to have Katie beaten up. Uh, he also gives Katie a final warning, which Katie secretly tapes with a hidden recorder. Kursek's uh, three hired thugs accost and beat Katie as Sam watches from afar, but Katie turns the tide on his attackers and viciously beats them instead. Uh, Katie then uses the recording of Sam's threat to an exaggerated display of his own injuries uh, to file for a restraining order against Sam. Lee Heller, Katie's lawyer, also petitions the ABA Ethics Committee for Sam's disbarment, thereby Mm. triggering Mm. a two-day emergency meeting and rally. Yeah, so this is um, really smart, I think, on the part of the writing, right? Where Mm. it's not just... The plot is contrived around the law around knowing the law so the main villain of of the main the hero of the film is a lawyer and the main villain of the film is a person who's exploiting the law to get closer to the the main character Mm. so this entire sequence is like it's just a really smart way to get them all together again right like this could have been like anything you could write anything he just come to the house and they have a showdown right there you know what i mean like but instead it's like the whole point of the the film is sort of how the law can be manipulated one way for justice or one or for or for evil and how it really is i mean i guess the message of the film being that it really is what's in your heart Mm. that defines you or, or whatever but I do love this this movie's ethos around law. That really, the law doesn't always protect you. Sometimes it puts you directly in harm's way. <laughs> right. Um, it's cool. It's and it's smart. Again, I I think it's um I think this could have been just any old story about a stalker, but it's it's specific in the in a way that I I dig. Jeremy digs it. Yeah, it gets the old Jeremy dig. Uh, Kursek anticipates Katie's intention 
to enter the Bowden house while Sam is in rally. Uh, the family fakes Sam's departure and hides in the house, hoping that Katie will break in so that he can be shot in self-defense. Uh, Katie kills the Bowden's housekeeper, uh, Graciela, and dons her clothing before murdering Kursek by garroting garroting him with Which, a piano wire oh, and shooting him with choking? his own pistol. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The like uh, early on in the movie, the discovery that there's a wire missing from the piano key is is pretty clever. Oh, yeah. Like that's that. good. That's good. You know that piano wire is coming back in a movie like this. You know what they call that? Chekhov's piano wire. It if you introduce a piano wire in Act One, you have to. It has to come back. Kill somebody with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Three. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see here. Horrified after discovering the bodies, Sam, Lee, and Danielle flee to their houseboat docked upstate along Cape Fear River. Uh, Katie, who has followed the family, attacks Sam and prepares to rape Lee and Danielle while making Sam watch. Danielle sprays Katie with lighter fluid as he lights a cigar, engulfing him in flames and causing him to jump off the boat. However, Katie uh, clings to a rope and pulls himself back on the boat. Uh, as the boat is rocked by a violent thunderstorm, a badly burned and deranged Katie confronts Sam, uh, putting him on a mock trial for his deliberate negligence 14 years ago. Despite Sam's insistence that Katie bragged about beating uh, two prior rape charges and that his crime was too heinous for the promiscuity report to be taken into account. Katie berates him for failing to do his duty as a lawyer. Mm. The storm eventually knocks Katie off his feet, allowing Sam to gain the upper hand once the woven jump off the boat. The women. The women. The woven. The woven. The woven. Once the w- women jump off the boat <laughs> <laughs> and make it to Vor, <laughs> to shore, uh, Sam uses Katie's handcuffs to shackle Katie to the boat. When the boat hits a rock and is destroyed, the fight continues on the shore, but a raging tide carries Katie away and he drowns speaking in tongues and singing the hymn, On Jordan's Stormy Banks I Stand. Uh, Sam washes the blood from his hands before he rejoins Lee and Danielle, who realize that things will never be the same again for them. (laughs) (laughs) For them, specifically. Things will be the same for other people in the town. Yeah, everyone else will be fine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I mean, what a... I mean, okay, so I will say this. The movie is great right what it, it it is what it is but that climax i think is one for the books right like that's sort of why people come to this movie a lot i mean it's on the damn cover the boat you know the boat climax mm. set oh yeah is just like it's pretty special i think and i think that you know no regardless of how we feel about this movie or how i feel or you feel eric i i mean it needs to it goes without saying that it is one of the most iconic and memorable scenes from a film ever. Just this big boat showdown and the speaking in tongues and the lighting him on fire and the drowning in the water and the just singing the hymn. And it's just a lot. It's a lot. It's a huge, big climax and notably great. And, you know, deserves all the praise that it gets. I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's a good movie. Yeah, and, and beyond that, I do think it's a good movie, too. Yeah. But what, uh, what would you rank it, though? Oh, man, you know, if I had to rank this movie, and I guess mm-hmm. I do. You do have to, yeah. <laughs> have been going through and ranking all of the movies. Hmm. You know, I actually, I haven't gone back and uh, salvaged our pre- previous scores from the great, uh, from the great uh, loss of my previous... Uh, oh, word yeah. document that I was keeping them in, and I actually kind of like not being able to go back and like s- see <laughs> see what I've ranked uh, some of these movies so far. Yeah, uh, I will say that I think you know what I'm a big fan of like a th- of a thriller. I yeah. like a thriller a lot. Yeah, 
I think this is like a perfect thriller. I really do. I really mm. think this is a perfect thriller. I think the structure and the length and the De Niro's so good and the, the, the family's great. All the performances are really good. Incredibly dramatic. Uh, it's like very real life stuff that just really gets you. I mean, I've seen this movie like five times at this point, probably. And, yeah. uh, even this time I'm like, man, I, I'm locked in. This is, this is really good. Uh, it's, it's unset, still unsettling to me in some parts and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's great. I was just thinking, um, cause now that I have the image of Bill Murray in my head <laughs> playing, <laughs> uh, playing Katie, right. I just realized that like there is, there are no funny like comedic moments in this movie no uh at all whatsoever and i'm not saying that is a bad thing i'm just pointing that out as i think in almost all scorsese movies up to this point or a lot of them there's a little bit of comedic relief here and there <laughs> yeah this movie is just like really dramatic and really intense and yeah. uh i think it's great i think it's a really i think it's a really good movie i would give this a 3.5 out of 4 Ooh, Chucky Freckles. Woo! That's a good score. My God, my God. That's a great score. I am going to give it a similar uh, rating of a... Uh, I'm going to give it a 3.25, though. Mm. Um, and I think the... Re- and, and Which is the After Hours score. Um, I like this movie about as much as I do like After Hours. Um, I... I it's weird. I, li- I do like it a little more than Color of Money, but I'm also going to raise my Hubie Halloween score to 3.25. <laughs> Love it. Because <laughs> I do like Hubie Halloween as much as Cape Fear. Uh, anyway, all that to say um, that uh, nah, actually Hubie Halloween can stay at 3. Maybe it'll go up, but not, not today. Because I'm realizing Wedding Singers at 3, and I like those about the same. Anyway, uh, Cape Fear, 3.25. Yeah, it's a... Uh, it's kind of like a um a lot of like so Eric you were mentioning earlier that like we should cover some Hitchcock because we always run into you know filmmakers referencing Hitchcock in their work and then we're watching the movies that they're referencing this being one of them I think though as from what I know about Hitchcock this is like one of the all-time great examples of that where it's like it's a totally it's a totally like new sort of take and spin on an old film. So the movie is already made, right? 30 years before this, they, they made a Cape Fear. Um, this, uh, this film like kind of takes the ideas in that movie, makes them way more hardcore, uses modern filmmaking techniques and sensibilities to scare the bejesus out of you. But then as well is also like making references to all this like cinematic history. You know, this movie is very obsessed with movies in general as well. And I think that that's like, that's like pretty cool. And that's definitely worth celebrating. I think that for me, um, you know, I, 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 for me where the film, I think fall, like does this like stumbles like a little bit is in, Maybe some of the, I don't know. It's weird because it's a short movie, but maybe some of the pacing of it is just a little, a little strange to me. I think the character of Katie too is like, I, Scorsese's good in this movie. He is really good. I just don't think that I love, love what he's doing with the character as much as, as much as everybody else does. I mean, I, I do obviously appreciate it. I, the Southern accent thing barely works for me with him it's just such a weird thing to see coming out of his mouth knowing what knowing that you know he's the italian guy he's a mob guy you know what i mean Mm. um uh and these are like little nitpicky things of things that just sort of i'm like kind of you know i'm I, i i'm considering when i'm ranking these movies but ultimately it's it's such a it's such a treat even though it is intense it feels good the whole way through you feel like genuine horror at the things that he's capable of. And I think those things like really hold up throughout the film. Um, you know, um, 
Yeah, I, I, uh, as far as thrillers go, too. I mean, I sort, I think Scorsese is very good at them, and he doesn't do them all the time. You know, there's only a couple. Shutter Island actually is another one, but um, yeah, he doesn't do them all the time. I also think Nick Nolte is pretty good in this movie. Nick Nolte, um, who is uh now like what like a certifiably crazy person, correct? He's like, he's the headshot guy, the mugshot guy, right? <laughs> Yeah, he's bonkers. Yeah, he's like a bonker. He's like a Gary Busey or something now. But like, man, he's he's really good in in Cape Fear. Um, yeah, man, Jessica Lange, great. Juliet Lewis, yeah, great, great flick. Three point two five. Three point two five. You heard it here, uh, Jeremy. Next, we are covering, and I'm gonna have to pull this up as always. We yeah. we, we always Sandler. Take- 30 seconds to, to Google Adam Sandler <laughs> yeah. filmography to figure out what we're doing air. next. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, let's see here. And this will be uh, the week, you know, Christmas week. We will be covering um, 51st, 51st Dates. Oh, great. Yeah, the Hawaii classic. <laughs> yes. We are, Perfect. at this point, we have covered, we have... Uh, Glossed over a few movies that uh, are sort of smaller roles for Sandler, like The Master of Disguise, uh, Dickie Roberts, The Hot Chick, mm. uh, Grandma's Boys coming up. Uh, mm. So I think maybe at some point in 2022, we'll have to sort of play catch up on on some of those. Not all of them. I certainly... I. I really don't want to watch The Hot Chick, to be honest with you. But uh, no. some of these other ones I, I'm, I, I'm open to. Yeah. Joe Dirt. Oh, Joe Dirt. Is oh, he's a Sandler producer in? on it. He's not. No, yeah, he's no, producer. no. Yeah, we no, shouldn't no, do the producer ones. Yeah, but Joe Dirt's great. We should cover that anyway. Yeah, yeah. Hey, maybe we'll do Dirt Month. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd be about it. I'd be about that. You know what's funny is I turned on my uh, TV the other day, mm. and. I didn't realize that my Blu-ray player was like on. Like I guess it had just been on for days, and uh, Monkey Bone was like playing on my Blu-ray player somehow. But there was a while there where I thought that Monkey Bone was playing on TV, and I was like, "Oh, nice! They're playing Monkey Bone. Like, what channel is this?" And then I was like, "Wait, why isn't my remote like changing? Like, what's going on?" Anyway. (laughs) I realized that uh, I was just watching my own DVD of Monkey Bone. Oh, that's that's great. <laughs> great job. Anyway, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. It really is a fun time over there. And if you enjoy the podcast, it's a great way to uh, support us. Uh, we love doing this show. And uh, you know what? I- I'm just going to say it here. I like doing the Patreon episodes better. I just think they're better, you know? Yeah. Easy. Yeah. So anyway, what do you say we get out of here and go do one of those fun Patreon episodes and stop doing one of these boring free episodes? I'm already there. Norma? I'll see you in my dreams. (laughs) 